hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator. Welcome back to the next episode of BC Law's Just Law Podcast. I'm Tom Blakely here with Jim Fiore talking to Max Melio of Sidley Austin, a BC Law alum. So, you know, oftentimes we like to talk to alums and talk about, uh, you know, career paths that folks are interested in. And of course, students tend to have a ton of questions about uh, big law and careers and OCI and all of that. So whenever we can, uh, you know, get more information and, you know, sort of hear about uh, folks' experiences, particularly alums, and, you know, answer people's questions, it's always a, it's always a great opportunity. It's great to sit down with Max today. Max, how you doing, brother? Great, great. Uh, nice. Nice to be here. Nice to be back on BC Law Campus. Awesome. Uh, so Max is an associate in the M&A and private equity group in the firm's Boston office. Prior to joining Sidley, Max was a law clerk for the Honorable Justice John Englander of the Mass Appeals Court. Uh, so before we get started, just tell us about yourself. Uh, sure. Yeah. I, um, I grew up in Somerville. Um, I went to undergrad at Clark University. Um, kind of took a, a bit of a circuitous path to get to law school. So uh, ended up here a little bit later than others maybe, but um, it was probably the best decision I ever made to, to come here. And what was your experience like at BC Law? Did you know what type of law you wanted to do coming in, and how did that, how did that work out? Yeah, you know, it's funny you should ask. Um, I, I actually knew very well what kind of law I wanted to do, and that was criminal defense. Interesting. Which is what you introduced me <laughs> as doing, right? <laughs> no, not no, at all. No, no. Um, the complete opposite. Not really, yeah. So, um, you know, it was, it was interesting how my journey through BC Law changed that path. Um, and, and also the pandemic really kind of forced me to pivot a little bit um, and consider other options that were out there. Yeah. yeah. How, just to, you know, focus in on that, how did that come to be? Because I know you're class of 2020, right? So that's like right into the, into the buzzsaw. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was weird. Um, you know, I was, I was actually prepping for a trial. I was a BC Defender Clinic, shout out. Um, and, you know, mid-March, like all the courts shut down, um, Harvard closed first, then BC, then everyone else. Um, it was weird. And it was, uh, just kind of like a, a strange time to finish out law school. Um, and, and, you know, as a 3L kind of, you've been through the motions, you've already had almost the full experience. So, um, I feel worse for the, the kids who are 1Ls during that, but. So me. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Uh. Uh, yeah. So, and did you know that, like, uh, you know, how did big law come to, to be on your radar? Is it something you, you know, eventually you, you turned to or how did you, how did you wind up, uh, at, at Sidley? Yeah. You know, um, funny story, you know, I, I clerked after law school, okay. so I went to the mass appeals court, yeah. um, you know, and, and it was nice to kind of have that lined up. So I had at least one year of job certainty. Okay. But, you know, knowing that your clerkship is going to end at a certain point, you, you have kind of some runway to apply for jobs. Um, and throughout the whole process, it was just really difficult. Um, you know, courts were kind of closed or maybe moving slower, right? Trials were on pause. Uh, motions were, were kind of on pause. Um, so litigation just seemed to be slowed down a lot, you know, hiring-wise. Um, and the place that I really wanted to end up, CPCS, um, you know, Committee for Public Counsel Services, the, the public defender agency in Massachusetts, um, you know, for whatever reason, they, they just weren't hiring then, or they weren't hiring me then. And, um, you know, slowly, I kind of opened my, my uh, eyes to, you know, other opportunities first at firms in litigation, and then um, kind of finally reading the room, you know, it seemed like transactional was just hiring so much more right. during that time. Um, and so I, I took a couple interviews and it ended up working out great. Awesome. Nice. Um, I feel like we talk a lot about 
or, or clerkships are kind of like a big conversation at this school. Would you like, would, did you enjoy your clerkship experience? Can you talk a little bit more about that? And would you recommend that to others, specifically someone who ended up in transactional practice? Cause that's usually, usually think clerkships for litigation. So how do you, yeah, yeah, you usually do. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I would fully recommend it to everybody. It was, um, an awesome exp experience. Just, um, being able to kind of learn from judge Englander was so cool. Uh, he's, he's great. He's, you know, brilliant legal mind. Um, and just getting to kind of see the, the thoughtful approach that he took to his craft every day. Um, but beyond that, you know, it's, it's just kind of like a window into the inner workings of the world. You know, you get to see how everything works. Um, especially at like an intermediate appeals court, like state appeals court, you know, it's, it's got general jurisdiction. It's, you know, everything you see everything come through there. So it's like a crash course in, Criminal law, municipal permitting, civil cases, um, administrative stuff. Sure. So it was awesome. Sure. And and to sorry to, to go back to your question, I think it's actually underrated how good experience it can be for somebody going into transactional, mm -hmm. just because the nature of the work is so similar, right? Mm -hmm. It's just so academic in nature. Um, you elaborate on that. That's interesting. Yeah, you know, like as a as a transactional associate, you you think of. Uh, almost like that bro-y M&A culture. Um, but it's funny because there's almost like another side to it, which is the academic, the nerdy. Um, and, you know, you spend your whole day reading and writing and fiddling with, with words, right? Um, which is a lot of kind of what a, a judge or a clerk does too. Mm -hmm. You know, you need to learn how to write persuasively, um, write kind of to box somebody into a corner mm -hmm. in, in contract drafting. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's very similar, I think. Yeah, interesting. Really interesting. Um, so turn into, you know, big law. So obviously, you know, students come in, you know, you do 1L, then you have OCI, which has uh, taken many forms during my time here. You know, I know, you know, my first year it was, uh, it's hybrid. And I think it's kind of stayed that way, uh, you know, almost like a fully remote sort of uh, interviewing experience. And then there's pre-cruiting, which wasn't a thing my 1L, and now it sort of is. Um, but nonetheless, it attracts a lot of people for various reasons. Uh, what would you say having, you know, had some experience, um, you know, first thinking about, uh, maybe criminal defense, then thinking, you know, having your uh, experience with your clerkship, then, you know, landing at a firm. How would you say, you know, a student can know that big law isn't for them? Because they've never, no one's, I mean, you, you, maybe some people are paralegals, but for the most part, you don't really know what being a big law associate's like. So like, what are some things as you're, you know, if you're like a one L, you're coming into law school to think about, to think, you know, Hey, maybe this isn't for me, you know, despite the, the allure that uh, tends to, tends to dominate. Yeah. You know, that's, that's a good question. Um, and I think unfortunately impossible to answer. Um, you know, some people might be coming into law school with experience with like a very demanding position, mm -hmm. but, um, I, I don't think very many mm -hmm. come in with that. And really you just kind of have to see what it is, what it's like, you know, I, I know there's kind of this natural funnel that pushes people into big law when you're in law school. It's just like, it feels like what everybody has right. to do, right? Yeah. Like everybody wants this. Nobody really knows what it is, exactly. but you're, you're chasing the car along with all the other dogs <laughs> and you know, you, you get there. I think the, the thing to take solace in is that it's rarely going to be a bad decision because even if you hate it, you spend a year there, you spend two years there. Um, it's, it's still great experience. You get paid very well. Um, it opens doors, you know, and it, it's, it's something that sticks on your resume. Like you made it through the doors and through the selection process at a big firm. Um, and, and so that's, that's always going to be a benefit to you. Great. Nice. Um, and can you talk about your personal experience like with OCI and 
you know, how that went, any advice you have for that and how you ended up ultimately making your decision to go to Sidley? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I did not take OCI very seriously. Okay. Um, I did not get in through there. Um, and, and, you know, I was lucky enough kind of in 2021 during that market when, when capital was cheap and, and, you know, a lot of M&A activity that they were looking to bring people in. So I, I kind of got in sidelong, you know, um, but you really can't, count on that being a pathway open to you for most people. And, and really these days, OCI isn't even the way to go. Um, you know, we, we filled almost our entire class pre OCI this year, at least in Boston. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that? Cause I think that the pre OCI thing is, is shrouded in all this mystique. You know, you yeah, hear it's from kind st- of an open secret, you right? Know? Yeah. You, you know, you hear from students, you know, one L's it's like, you know, the end of February and you, you go on LinkedIn, it's like, Oh, I'm pleased to announce something. And you're like, well, how did that, you know, I, th- I thought, I thought it hadn't, hadn't started yet. Like from the inside looking out, do, do you have some sense for how that works? Like the network, like what, what, what's your feeling on how that, how that yeah, goes down? Yeah. You know, right now it, it really pays to cut the line. Yeah. Um, you don't wait for OCI. Yeah. Um, and, and a lot of, people that it feels like that's what you're supposed to do mm-hmm. but again there's just like this reward system out there for cutting the line mm-hmm. so you can't wait till OCI you know you really have to just get out there mm-hmm. um we we hired so many people from direct apply um we we went hard after certain people you know like we got really good quality candidates and mm-hmm. you get that in front of kind of their hiring department they don't want to let that go. They're not going right. to say, we'll come back to you in three months. You know, they want to lock that up. So in other words, is this, uh, you know, people are, uh, I don't know, spraying, you know, so at some point during 1L are reaching out or they're they networking or they're just sending a resume? Like, how does that direct, because I hear that term direct apply, but I don't know that many people know exactly what that means. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm not positive how it works. I would hope that career services here is like hip to it um, just because, you know, I think there's a couple of different avenues that you can do that. Um, I've had some people reach out to me and, and kind of ask me to pass the resume along. Um, there's people who I've been happy to do that for. And, um, and I think otherwise, you know, you just kind of have to do that cold email, um, find who the, the hiring person is at that office and send them a resume, send them your cover letter, you know, in email form. Um, and, and don't wait because these days there's just limited spots left at when you have OCI. And we wanted to talk a little bit about your experience in the first few years in big law. What was it like being a junior associate? What are like your, your first responsibilities, the first few months and years? It's really tough. Um, it's, it's, uh, kind of a very demanding job. And, um, I say that with, with kind of like both positive and negative (laughs) implications, you know, the positives are that it really demands the best out of yourself. And, um, it's, it forces you to learn every day, you know, like you have to be in that mindset that you're going to get better every single day, but being a junior, you know, you really come in knowing almost nothing and it's, it's, you know, disorienting. Um, you, you're kind of expected to pick things up quickly. I, I liken it almost to like jumping on a treadmill, going full speed, mm. And you need to, you know, kind of rely on your law school experience. You need to rely on your common sense, you know, just kind of your, your entire lived experience in order to, you know, fill in the gaps of what you don't know. And as a junior, you know, that's so important because you need to, you know, learn how to be reliable. You need to learn how to be organized. Um, you need to learn how to kind of pick out the important things that are being said around you because you're going to kind of be party to conversations that you don't fully understand, right? Right. Um, But you have to kind of learn like, okay, these are what people are focusing on. This is what this client is really interested in. So really it's your job to be a a useful sponge 
right? Like, be useful in, in terms of the organization of a deal, mm -hmm. um, but also be picking things up constantly because you're going to be called on to, to do substantive work very quickly, or at least in my office, that's been the case. Yeah. And did you, you know, lean on maybe more senior associates, partners, when you're in those meetings, you're like, oh, man, I don't understand this. Like, how, how would you feel about asking questions? Because we've, people have sat in this chair and, you know, oftentimes advice they give is, you know, don't be afraid to, to ask questions, which can be intimidating. Like you're the, the, the greenest, newest person there. And, you know, you're, you're around a lot of people who are really skilled in their craft. Like, how did you feel about, uh, you know, asking for help when you needed it? No, it's, it's always so important. And, you know, everybody's so busy. Um, it's, it's important to, kind of instill in the people around you that you're worth investing in, right? Mm -hmm. Because it takes time out of their day to answer your question. And, you know, I think in theory, you get to pay that back eventually because you know the answer and, and on the next deal, you are you get to take some weight off of them, right? Mm -hmm. But it's it's super important to kind of, you know, connect with the seniors around you just like on a human and professional level. Mm -hmm. Because then, you know, they, they take that much more interest in your development. Mm -hmm. And um, really, you know, the, the people around me are, are a huge reason for my success there. Um, particularly the, the few seniors and partners who have, you know, really taken their time to, to help me. And, and when you started, did you start as like M&A private equity associate or was it more general and then you picked and how did you, how did you end up there? Yeah. So in Sydney, Boston, you start in, um, M&A private equity and investment funds. Mm -hmm. So you split time. Mm -hmm. And then, um, actually just yesterday I got a meeting that I'm full-time M&A now. Um, mm -hmm. although it's, a, it's, it's kind of been a, a bit of a foregone conclusion for the past year mm -hmm. because that's been, um, the majority of my practice. Okay. And what's it been like? Because um, the the market has been fluctuating, you know, over the last few years. There was like a 2021 huge boom, and now it's like slowed down a little bit. But now it sounds like it's a little busier. What was it like working through those through those fluctuations? Yeah, you know, you you kind of hear about the headwinds. Um, I I think in Sydney, Boston, we stayed pretty busy, um, or at least the people that I work with have. Um, it maybe not as busy as 2021, but um, we've been pretty steady, and it does seem like it's picking up now. Uh, so oftentimes, you know, especially to, uh, you know, law students, to, to, to young associates, uh, these firms kind of seem like the same. You know, you think about OCI and applying to these firms, you, you log on to the, uh, what the heck, what was it called? Uh, not C, uh, Sage, I think it's yeah. called. And there's just a, you know, this list of, you know, this alphabet soup of law firm names. And, you know, to, to uh, you know, students, they can kind of start to seem like they're all the same, you know, if you don't have experience with these places. So I'm just curious, like, you know, you've been at your firm for, you know, a, a little while now. What, what would you say the, the, the pros are, the cons? are? How would you describe the culture? Like what makes uh, Sidley different from other places that students can be looking at and talking to and considering? Well, you know, of, of course I, I have no frame of reference to, you know, base it against because I, I only know Sidley, but, um, you know, I, I heard all the horror stories when I was here about big law and about, you know, you'd have no life and your girlfriend would leave you and all that stuff. Um, and honestly, it, it's been anything but horrible. Um, and, and the people at Sidley are, are just top notch, um, both in terms of kind of the intellectual abilities that are around you and also just like, you know, everybody's been through your, th through that experience. Everybody started as a, as a junior and kind of went through that experience. So, um, they understand what it's like mm -hmm. and really it's a culture of mutual respect and accountability mm -hmm. because, um, you know, there are times 
late at night, there's something due and you need to know that you can rely on the person that you're working with, right? Not to create extra work for you. Right. Um, and and it's, it's good to have that mutual respect because it, again, it pushes you to be the best version of yourself. Sure. Um, so what advice would you give to students going through the hiring process? I don't know if you've been involved in hiring. I know you said, you know, some students will, you know, reach out to you, but it's something that everyone uh, tries to gobble up all the information, sort of like inside perspective that they can get. Like, what, what's your perspective on that? What advice would you give to people going through that process? Yeah, it's it's tough. You know, it, um, these are these are like speed dating interviews. Right. Um, you know, it's tough to give somebody a sense of who you are in 20 minutes. And really, it all starts at your at your GPA, right? Like you need the GPA to get in the door. That's just undeniable fact of it. Um, once you're in the door, there's a lot of kind of common pitfalls that I see people make. And, and one of them is kind of not knowing who you're interviewing with. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, commonly you'll, you'll get the applicant who's like, oh, I'm, I'm really interested in Sidley because it's a huge firm. It's like, <laughs> okay, well, why are you talking to Sidley Boston? Because right, we're yeah. a very small office. Um, you know, they'll say, oh, I want to try like all different things I can try while I'm there. It's like, no, we don't do that here. <laughs> um, you know, you're, you're interviewing for transactional associate position. Um, you know, and, and so there's just kind of like common things that, that you can slip up on. And I think it's, again, hard to know for a law student, like how to connect with, uh, an attorney or a young attorney because, you know, the juniors are very involved in hiring. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, you, you have to kind of, like, understand who you're talking to and, and what the, the interview is. Sure, sure. And, and once you're in the door, as a summer especially, and then I assume, like, you know, the first few years, it's a lot of work, obviously. You know, people know that. But it's also a lot of networking, and you're going to events and meeting tons of people. And I feel like that, that process can be exhausting. Do you have any general advice for how to navigate that? Yeah, it, it takes a lot of energy, you know. And, and I think... Um, it starts your first week of 1L, right? Like this, this morning to night, like lifestyle of being in this field. And I think that's one of the most useful things from law school is that it trains you to, you know, to be in this all day, every day. Um, because there, there really are no days off. Um, other than, you know, if you, if you can get out of the country, they, they're pretty respectful of that. But Otherwise, you know, if, if they need you, then you have to be there. Yeah. Uh, what are some of the common mistakes you see, uh, you know, summers and, and first years make? What are some mistakes that, that, that you've made? What do you, what do you, what do you tend to see in that, in that regard? Like pitfalls, things to look out for. Yeah. You know, you, you make a lot of mistakes as a, uh, a first year, um, you know, summers expectations are pretty low for summers, luckily. Um, and, and same for first years, although there's an expectation that you'll at least, um, not make the same mistake twice, right? The, the Bill Belichick, don't be an error repeater. Don't fumble the ball. Yeah. yeah don't, don't fumble, uh, yeah. or you may not play again. Don't that be game. like pop Douglas or whoever that was the other week. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll let it slide if he, uh, if he comes through later this season. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, sorry. What was the question? Uh, I was just wondering, you know, common mistakes that first year oh, summers yeah, yeah. make mistakes you've made anything to look out for. Yeah. You know, I, th- I think it's, it's almost more important to learn how to own your mistakes and how to, um, you know, again, incorporate them into your practice. Don't make them again. Um, you know, and it, it goes back to just kind of your whole body of work. Like you have to put in time to, to earn the, peop- the credibility of the people around you so that when you do make a mistake, they don't 
you know, they're not pissed about it. Like right. they're, they're like, oh yeah, of course you make a mistake because he's a junior associate. Yeah. Um, and they, they take that time to teach you how to do it right. Yeah. I, I do feel like BC tends to, I don't know if it's just necessarily preparing people well, but you, you know, you go to, I've been to some events and different things with your firm and, you know, you hear about some of these like horror stories, like uh, these associates who are, I don't know, aloof or, or maybe just don't quite get, like, I, I feel like we tend to be you know, walk in the door with a pretty good understanding of like, you know, that's, that's kind of the expectation because, you know, you're right. I, I do think, uh, you know, you do hear some things like that, you know, it's owning a mistake. Some of these things that are, that are, that are difficult, I feel like are, are important, but I, I think that we tend to do pretty well just in terms of like preparing people. Like you said, like from the minute you start law school, that type of atmosphere, um, you know, going all the way back to like cold calling, you know, I, I think there is that sense of, um, you know, accountability that, that, that is really important. Um, I'm just curious, what, uh, is like the best advice you'd give to, you know, on the sort of the flip side instead of, you know, not, not quite a mistake, but advice you give to a first year associate who's looking to start successfully, stick the landing, um, you know, uh, I guess like what are sort of mid-levels, maybe seniors, partners looking for, what do people look for, uh, from you? Like what, what's been your experience there? Yeah. You know, I, I think, um, it's, it's funny because my advice to law students is to ignore what everyone around you is doing. Um, because that's like such a classic way to waste your time and, right. and to, you know, not focus on the things that matter. But as an associate, it's almost the opposite. Like, really, you have to be observant. Like, you have to watch what everybody's doing, um, particularly your, your, you know, direct seniors, like the mid-levels, because that's, that's going to be your job next, right? Like, you're always moving up. Um, but you need to, like, learn how to watch and learn and also, like, ask and learn, right? Like yeah. you have to, the passive observation and then the active theft of, you know, other people's best practices. Sure. And, um, you know, it's, it's so important. Like, like that's just how you learn expectations is, is what's expected of the people that's, who have been there for a long time. Um, and, and it can be different among different partners. It can be different among different clients. So mm -hmm. it's, it's tough. You need to learn how kind of each pod does things. Yeah, sure. Jimmy, you want yeah, the last word? Yeah, no, that it's, it's been absolutely great advice so far. We've touched upon a lot. Do you have any other general advice about OCI or, or the job hunt in general or anything you feel like is important that we haven't talked about? Yeah, you know, I'd say be be open to um, different experiences. Um, you know, my, my career path has been kind of evidence of that, is mm -hmm. that you don't really always know what's going to be a good fit. You know, I, I would have never considered this practice, but it's kind of just been undeniably a, a really good fit for me and for kind of like my skills. So it's, it's, you know, tough to predict what you're going to do well in. Um, really, you know, you, you have to be committed to whatever you're going to do. So you, you ultimately have to pick a direction and, and go in it because your, your value as a skilled attorney is in your kind of expertise. Right. Right. So that's, that's the important part about, you know, just, committing to something, um, putting all of your effort into it and, and really living that lifestyle, that, you know, sure. morning to night lifestyle. Sure. Terrific. Um, well, we've been talking to Max Melio, Sidley Austin, BC law alum about all things, uh, big law and advice to, to students about OCI, the firm experience, the whole shebang. Uh, Max, thank you so much for coming in. It's been Tom Blakely and, uh, Jim Fiore, BC Law's Just Law podcast. Until next time, that'll do it.